This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome back to the Roku Report Extra Podcast. We got beat again at the weekend. We managed to somehow get beaten in a different way, a more embarrassing way with Jason Seals' idiotic goalkeeping. But we'll try not to touch on that too much because we have got, I think it's nine, eight or nine games left to try and pretend we might actually stay in this division. It's not looking likely, let's be honest. But nonetheless, leading up to Saturday's game, we do have Preston. And we've got Jonathan Breeze, who actually commentates on the Preston games. But more importantly, I believe you're a friend of Crabbers, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No Crabbers very well. Recommended by Crabbers himself, which is a pretty good endorsement. How do you, how do you know Crabbers? Let's be honest. Come on, spill um, the beans. We we worked together for uh, well, quite a few years ago um, on a radio station in Liverpool. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We know each other well. And he's held in high regard in Sunderland after his, his little rant that he did after we beat Newcastle back in 2000. Has he ever mentioned that to you? Has he ever told you the story of that? Yeah, once or twice, yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good story, isn't it? No, I, yeah. I, he, he is well liked up in our area, but I'm sure you will be as well, Jonathan. I'm sure you will be as well. How are you doing this evening? Are you all right? Yeah, all good, thanks. Yeah. Good, good, good. So we'll fire sort of straight into sort of Preston season. Obviously, we've been not aligned in terms of our form, but we've definitely been, uh, should we say, we've paid attention to each other's seasons, I think, due to how it started with Grayson, McGeady and all that as well. But Preston are doing pretty well, aren't they? Ninth off top. How's things been this season? Yeah, Preston have been uh, doing well this season, actually. Um, when Simon Grayson left in the summer, there was a little bit of uncertainty as to who'd be taking over. But I think there was a feeling at the club that um, with him leaving, it was an opportunity for Preston to take a step forward and to try something a little bit different. That's why I think the club went with uh, Alex Neal and, uh, and brought him in. And really, from the very first day he walked through the door, there's been an air of expectancy around the place. The fans have... Uh, uh, have, have, have been bright and have been keen to see um, what, what Alex Neal's brought to the club. He's, he's talked a lot about bringing in sort of young, hungry players who want to sort of prove themselves and be able to sort of grow and, and develop. And, and that's what he's done. So it's quite a young looking Preston side this season. The playoffs are the ambition and, and the aim. And I think we've got a good chance of, of doing that. Need uh, need a good run in. But we're playing some teams in and around us in, in that sort of top six, top 
top eight. So there'll be opportunities there to try and sneak the playoffs. And, and who knows once we get into, uh, into, into that playoff lottery. And I think when it comes to sort of Preston as a team, Grayson always seemed to be doing sort of all right. You always seem to be kind of bobbing around that possible playoff push, kind of, you know, bad run puts you in a relegation. But I've got a friend who's a big Preston fan and she absolutely hated Simon Grayson for his negativity. Uh, Alex Neal seems to have brought a lot more positive football to the club from an appetite perspective. Is that was that? Summon them. Am I summing that up correctly? Yeah, 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 very well. Yeah, uh, Alex Neal's um, coined this phrase busting games open. So if it's a draw, whether it be nil nil or one one or whatever, and uh, and there's 20 minutes to go, he's quite happy to go all out and get that win. And if it means a defeat at the end of it, then then sort of so be it. So you might see it at the weekend that if it is a draw going into the sort of final half an hour, he'll make a couple of changes and and they'll they'll probably be attacking changes to try and change the the game, create more chances and find that winning goal. Uh, He's not afraid of doing that. Most of the time it's worked out okay. There's been the odd occasion where where we've been caught out, but yeah, that's been the um, that's been his mentality really, and he's he's been a breath of fresh air really since coming in. That's that's not to say anything negative about Simon Grayson because he's still held in very high esteem and um, and very highly thought of, having uh, got Preston out of League One and and established himself really as a as a as a Championship club again. So um, so yeah, credit to him for that. And and I think there was a bit of disappointment actually when he left to go to Sunderland. Even though perhaps not with all all fans, but um, but he certainly um, he certainly done, done his part. And when Grayson left, I mean, yeah, I'm trying my best not to be, uh, I suppose, arrogant in any way here because we're sitting bottom of the championship. But I'm trying to remember when when Grayson sort of came on board towards something. There was a a feeling that a manager like Simon Grayson from outside of Preston couldn't turn down like the job that he was given. But I suppose, you know, in some senses, and it's gone on to prove, you know, we were a sinking ship with no money, with uh, not no hope, but certainly it wasn't looking very good at that point. And it's certainly not looked very good since. So, you know, it was a huge risk from Simon Grayson. Were you surprised that he took the job or were you very much kind of, did you understand why he took the job? No, I think you understand it, don't you really? I mean, if you look at the size of the two clubs and uh, again, no disrespect to, to, to Preston, Sunderland's, uh, Sunderland's much bigger, isn't it? The fan base in the Premier League week in, week out has been phenomenal. I know it's not quite the same uh, this season being down at the, uh, the, the sort of lower reaches of the championship, but it's it's a passionate club with passionate fans and, and the, the potential there is there, isn't it? That's probably why uh, I guess Chris Coleman decided to leave the Wales job where he was um, pretty much a saint, wasn't he? And could, could do yeah. no wrong uh, in, in, in Wales, but, but he's taken on this big tough challenge um, up with you guys. So yeah, I think you understand why Simon, why Simon Grayson decided to do that. And, um, I, I, and yes, I guess it's a bit of, well, from, from my point of view, a bit of a shame for him that he it didn't work out for him because he's a he's a nice fella and um, and and a good manager. Did you expect it to go as badly as it did? Because it, it, within Sunderland, it, I think some of us did. Uh, not not all of us, but I think we could tell quite early on it was he was almost out of his depth, and I feel quite horrible saying that because it's not like we've we've improved that much under Coleman but there was certainly a, a feeling of he was out of his depth but I think from from outside the club and um, from outside of Sunderland a lot of people saw Grayson as a really sensible appointment so were you personally quite surprised that he, he failed as badly as he did or do you think he didn't have a pot to piss in basically did he, he didn't stand much of a chance 
Uh, no, not really. I mean, I know a little bit about the financial problems that Sunderland have got and the budget and all that sort of stuff, which, to be frank, is probably still a bigger budget than what Preston have got. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, but, but, but that's by the by. But, uh, but, but, yeah, probably a bit, bit surprised that he didn't, um, he didn't last a bit longer. Didn't get some of the better results, particularly with the likes of Lewis Graben, who, um, who I think is an excellent player, and uh, I don't know exactly the reasons why he didn't stay around um, at, at Sunderland. But it just shows the sort of caliber of player he was able to get, and. Uh, it, it is a bit weird, isn't it? Why um, why he wasn't able to sort of get the results to get the season off to a good start, and who knows what might have happened from there? But it hasn't happened, and uh, and yes, Simon Simon Grayson's moved on, and uh, and Sunderland are struggling again, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think even I, I wasn't a huge fan of of the Grayson appointment. I wasn't a hugely against it. Don't get me wrong; it underwhelmed me. To, to to put it nicely, I think. Even I was surprised at how bad it went for him, though. But I think, you know, I was very, very um, positive about the appointment of Coleman, and I still am. And although Coleman's had four to five wins more, it hasn't particularly gone fantastic either. I think, you know, looking back and maybe in hindsight, I still think it was the right decision for him to be sacked. But I think at the same time, maybe we, if it was the other way around and, and Coleman had started the season, maybe because he he spoke a little bit better because Coleman's had a big job and been probably more successful on a grander scale than than Grayson would would Coleman maybe have had more time if the kind of the season was switched around I don't know but I think you know it's difficult because you look at a manager like Coleman where people were kind of surprised that he came to Sunderland in part you look at Grayson where people understood why he went and realistically they both kind of had People will disagree with me on this, but we're in the same position. We still look as hopeless at the back as as we always did. We'd look probably a little bit more toothless up front since Coleman's took over. But I think a lot of that is attested to the fact that he's lost Lewis Graben, who you know was a bit of a Marmite player up here, but he came up the other week and, and scored against us. And I think he just showed that in this division, he's he's one of the best marksmen around. But then I suppose that brings me on to Preston's player of the year last season, McGeady, another player who came with Grayson. He's, he's got five goals for us, but I'll be honest, he, he he doesn't really, he's not a guaranteed starter like we expected him to be. Are you surprised at how, how much McGeady sort of struggled and not really fit in as well? Or do you think that was to be expected when Grayson went? When McGeady at Preston, he arrived with no expectation, no pressure and no real limelight on him. And that, I think, for him was perfect because he was just able to go out and play and basically do what he wants. He didn't have a great deal of defensive responsibility. He, he basically had the remit of get the ball and go and sort of make things happen. And he scored some worldies. He scored a few few lucky goals. Um, but broadly speaking, I think because he didn't have that pressure and expectancy on his shoulders at Preston, um, I think it helped him and it, he flourished under it. I always thought when he would go to Sunderland, it would be a totally different ball game for him because of the expectancy and the crowd and just the nature of the club really being um, being the way Sunderland is I always thought it might be tough for him to be honest I didn't think he would not get in the team every week because he, with Preston he was pretty much the first name on the team sheet and uh, again I haven't seen him a great deal this season so I, I don't really know what he's been up to or how he's been doing but yeah I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't had a bigger part to play really for, for Sunderland this season I mean, I'm only looking through this sort of statistically, but I remember when we we got McGeady and it was a case of, I think, something like, you know, nine goals, 11 or 12 assists, which is is brilliant at sort of any level, realistically. And I can totally understand why you say he was the first name on the team sheet. And I thought, 
you know, he came in as Sunderland and, and under Grayson, he was probably one of our best players, to be honest. He scored a couple of absolute worldies, but um, he sort of tailed off, doesn't really fit into the Coleman sort of uh, role. But I, I was looking through sort of Preston's statistics beforehand, and I'm only basing this on statistics, but it looks like I think it's Callum Robinson's really kind of took that mantle this season based on stats. He's got quite a few assists, quite a few goals there. Have, have Preston missed McGeady very much or has, has Robinson kind of filled that gap? This might sound strange as well, but I don't think Preston have missed McGeady. That's because Robinson is a player who who has had an opportunity to play a little bit more, uh, not just because of McGeady's departure, but most recently because Jordan Hugel's left for uh, West Ham as well. Um, so he's had a more forward role rather than on the wings, um, which is where he's traditionally played. There's another player called Tom Barkazen who is probably more influential to Preston than than Robinson with goals and assists. I think he's the joint top scorer for Preston this season. And I'm fairly sure he's got more assists than Robinson as well, although I stand to be corrected on that. But he's um, the key creator, if you like, for, for Preston this season. But I think... They're both in a very similar mould, both Barkhazen and Robinson in that. They're young, quick, hungry players proving themselves at the championship level. They can score a few goals and they can they can create chances as well. So um, I think the McGeady void has been filled by probably two or three players who've stepped up to the plate for, for Preston this season. And, and that's probably helped uh, soften the blow, really, of, of him not staying. Because I know that Preston were very keen to obviously keep him at the end of last season. Um, when Grayson was still at, at at North End, but um, but for whatever reason they couldn't uh, couldn't get the deal done in time. I suppose what's what's most frustrating for me looking through. Preston's team and again it's it's completely no disrespect to Preston but you know I would like to think we could compete with where Preston are at the moment you know the size of the club that we are and obviously we're really not competing and I think one big thing from Sunderland's perspective that we've banged on for for seasons now and especially this year is the level of recruitment and the lack of thought behind it and you look at like the signing of McGeady, I, I suppose, you know, we were all guilty of saying McGeady would be a good buy because you look at McGeady, he's assists the way that he performed for Preston, but he's 31. I, I assume, and I don't know this in any way, shape, size or form, but I'd be surprised if he's on anything less than 20 grand a week. And then you look through Preston's team and... The likes of the boys that you've picked up, I mean, I know Hugel's gone, but Hugel was next to nothing. You've got someone who's absolutely on fire at the minute in Sean Maguire. You've got, I can't pronounce the boy's name. I'm going to call him Tom. You've just said his name as well. But the guy from (laughs) Morgan. How is it Preston are able to pick up players that are of solid, high-level championship quality, yet Sunderland seem to for want of a better word, spunk a load of cash on people who are has-beens, are no longer you know, at the peak performance they should be, or just don't have the right character to be at the club. You know, from, again, I know you're an outside perspective, but w- what's your thoughts on how do teams like Preston manage to do that and Sunderland manage to feel so miserably the amount of infrastructure we have in comparison to Preston? Yeah, yeah, that is that is bizarre. I think the whole Preston squad is put together on less than two million pounds, which is unbelievable, really, given some of the, the the quality that's 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 in there. And as you know, Jordan Hugel left in January for something like eight, nine, ten million pounds. I think it could potentially go up to. So, in terms of the financial side of things for transfer fees, it's good. It's obviously good business sense. Um, I think in the background there's a pretty good scouting network, and the Preston mould is one to try and find. As I, as I mentioned earlier, those sort of young, 
almost unknown players who have, well, it looks like they've got good potential and good careers ahead of them, uh, snap them up early and and give them their chance. So there's there's two or three players you could name in that sense from right through from the goalkeepers to Chris Maxwell and Declan Rudd. Uh, in defence, you've got uh, Ben Davis, who is a, a youth player who's, who's come through the ranks. Same with Josh Earl. Uh, they came through the academy and uh, played a good handful um, of games in midfield. Um, ben Pearson, who came from Manchester United, wasn't playing there. He A lot of these are Simon Grayson signings as well, incidentally. But Pearson was brought in and he's probably the key player in that Preston team now just because of his work rate and the, uh, the, the sort of harrying and the jostling that he does in, in that midfield area. Then the, the Barkasons and the Robinsons, who we've talked about, who are, who are again... Young brought him for peanuts next to nothing. I think Robinson was a free transfer, actually. And Sean Maguire, who's on fire at the moment, he didn't cost a great deal um, from, from Ireland. There's another lad in midfield, another Irish lad, Alan Bryan. He was brought in for about 20 grand. He, he's been a, a massive part. I think uh, I think Preston, uh, haven't, they haven't got the money. They haven't got the resources that, that a Sunderland have had in the past. So they've had to be clever and a bit smarter and, uh, and not take a risk, but they've had to sort of look for those little gems in, in the League of Ireland or in the lower leagues of, of, of League One or League Two and, and, and try and nurture the talent. So, so, so yeah, that's, that's been the approach. And I know Sunderland have had a few problems with, with their recruitment in the past. And I think that's stemmed for probably five or six years, hasn't it? Probably even longer over countless managers and, and seasons in the Premier League where money's been wasted. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the difference between the two, isn't it? I think it's it's funny. I was speaking to uh, sort of Brentford fans recently. I've spoke to a few different fans of different clubs. And the one thing I, I remember saying about Brentford was, I suppose, you know, no, no matter which manager you have in charge and what your your recruitment is the same, you have a certain style of play, very much similar to Swansea. You look at Swansea, no matter who comes in, they have that kind of style of play. Brentford have the same, whether it's Uwe Rosler or, you know, the current manager, uh, Dean Smith. But when it comes to to Sunderland, I said, you know, the problem we've got is that we have different managers every seemingly every every six to seven months sometimes. And it's a new idea. It's a new plan. You've got a load of players there that are sort of left over. But you made a really good point before about Grayson. A lot of those signings were Simon Grayson signings. And I think, and I'm talking a little bit from an outside perspective here, but I'd, I'd like to think that Grayson, in, in my mind, from what I remember, was very much a defensive manager. And I think he was the same at Preston, where Alex Neal's a lot more expressive. So it, it's weird, isn't it? how almost Sunderland get bad for changing their management, not really having a plan. Yet Preston have managed to sort of change their manager from one defensive-minded to one kind of expansive manager with very similar players. And yet the players have managed to adapt, yet Sunderland seem to just not be able to do it at any point. One thing, just as we were chatting that, I was thinking... I wonder how much of it has got to do with patience of a fan base. I'm a Sunderland fan and, you know, I think we're a great set of fans. I think one of the, the most patient out of the lot. But I think admittedly, when you're coming into the club in, say, August time or, you know, pre-season or January, the one thing we don't have time for because of how long this has been going on, I suppose, is patience. And I suppose maybe accidentally we get into players' backs a little bit too fast. It's Sunderland too big of a club in this league to have the patience to allow players from, say, the League of Ireland to blossom, whereas Preston is a little bit more... They're certainly not a small club. Preston are far from it. Um, one of the league's founders, obviously, but I think there's a little bit more... There's probably a little bit less expectation than there is at somewhere like Sunderland and certainly less frustration, I think, as well. 
Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were saying about McGeady before. And I think a place that's slightly off the radar where people aren't necessarily looking at him every single week to pull up trees and deliver, you know, outstanding performances is where he's probably at and going to be able to flourish. Um, uh, as we mentioned, Sutherland, totally different club, totally different expectations and and the struggles and the pressure and uh, and all that comes with it can quickly get on top of players. And uh, again, it, looking from the outside, that seems to me to be the issue that, that Chris Coleman's got at the moment with Sunland because there's plainly some very good players on the books there and um, and on paper. It wasn't that long ago that uh, Lamine Coney was 18, 19 million pound on his way to Everton. And uh, I saw him the other week on the tally on the highlights and he, he looked like he wouldn't even get in a League Two side, let alone a, yeah. a, a Premier League team. So something's gone wrong, isn't it? But you, you don't lose that ability, I don't think. So there's... Um, <laughs> There must be. There's got to be something a bit, something wrong there, isn't there? In, in the club, you'll know better than me. But yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It's been a very prominent word throughout the the Sunderland fan base for about the best part of two seasons now, and that's apathy. And I'm I'm starting to wonder if you know with players like because Coney has actually been um, praised by Chris Coleman, and and I know that the manager has to talk these players up, but I think Coleman doesn't really he doesn't talk any shit for want of a better a phrase. But I think when it comes to uh, to Coney, he said, you know, that Coney had been posting videos when he was out injured, that he'd been going to watch the under-18s, the under-23s, really getting mucked in, involved. And, and Coleman really praised his attitude, and yet he came back and he's been absolutely woeful again. Like, the defence looks no better. And I think, you know, rewind back 18 months ago, he was an absolutely brilliant partnership there with Kabul. And I think there's a big, a big worry that he was good alongside Kabul, who could organise him, he could be like the brute strength, whereas Kabul was kind of the, the old experienced organiser because he really hasn't performed since then. But, you know, there's got to be some level of talent inside of that player because, uh, yeah, you can be kind of talked through a game by another defender, but you've still got to be the person that's there and have the pace and the strength and the power. And he's not a young boy either. I think he's 28, 29, but it just doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem at the moment to really be coming together in any way, ships as a form. We we get one win and we immediately go and get tanked somewhere like Birmingham. It's just, it's a really, really difficult one to work out and something I don't envy in any way, shapes as a form from even a fan's perspective as if I was to manage it. I have no envy towards uh, Chris Coleman whatsoever, but, you know, moving on a little bit towards recent form from, from your side, I think we all know how, how bad Sunderland have been. I think, you know, I think we haven't won in eight, nine, something like that. It's been a while. We haven't looked like we've been in a game for eight or nine games. Looking at Preston's form, it's relatively decent. You've had a couple of games where you've had men sent off and men sent off against you. It's looking all right. But how's it been in, in reality? Because results don't always tell the full story, do they? Uh, no, you're right. I think there's been an air of frustration, actually, about some of the results. I think uh, I think looking at the results on paper, I think it's three defeats in the last 21 games. But I think it's something like nine draws, nine wins, something like that. And then the, and then the defeats. So there's the, the draws have been the frustration because they've been games when Preston have been in front or have been in positions to go and win games, see out and get three points. But for whatever reason, they've equalised. They've dropped points late sometimes late in the game and it's been and it's been a frustration so um and I think particularly at home it's been a bit of an issue playing at Deepdale and there's been a couple of games where it's been um expected that Preston would just roll the opposition over and get three points and go and get a bag full of goals but it's been anything but and it's been a bit more difficult having said that away from home it seems to be a bit easier and I think Preston have won more points on the road than they have at home so you yeah I mean I think they would welcome the opportunity to be away 
again this weekend, having lost at the weekend. Look Again, looking at it, Sunderland looked to be in all sorts of problems, so a good chance for, for the victory. But Preston do sometimes have this mentality of getting themselves up for the big games, and they played remarkably well against the likes of Wolves and Aston Villa, and then followed it up by struggling against one of the, the sort of lower teams, and um, and, and that, that does tend to be the problem so yeah we'll, we'll wait and see how it pans out this weekend um but uh, but yeah overall it's been good and the return of Sean Maguire from injury um has given the club a real boost he's a Republic of Ireland international but only recently having won his first cap I think in September something like that and um, he'd scored a bag full of goals for Cork City um before Preston snapped him up um, he started the season really well getting I think four goals in the opening couple of months of the season. Then he got a bad hamstring injury and was out for four months. Um, and he's only returned in the last two or three weeks. And I think he's got four or five goals in his first four games back. So, um, so yeah, the return of him uh, is, a, is, a, is a timely boost and, and could be a, a big one for Preston coming up to Saturday. I think you'd be, I think anyone would be fancying their chances against Sunderland. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think you would be. I think I think what's quite frustrating is there's, there's one thing that every, I think... Carl Henry spoke about it when just before Bolton played us. I, I, uh, funnily enough, the the game where Grayson got sacked and Carl Henry said, you know, it's really easy to go to the stadium or, light or, or words to that effect because you just keep them quiet for 20 minutes of score and early, early goal and the fans do the rest of the work for you. And I think Preston, based on you know what you were just telling me there, they've, they've probably got a look at this game as ideal for them because they can just keep hold of the ball, frustrate the fans, you know... <laughs> I know we shouldn't be, and, and we, you know, I, I would loathe to think anyone thinks we don't get behind the club and the, the team because we back them more than anyone, any other fan base. If they'd had to deal with the crap we've had to deal with for the past six years, would have turned their back a long time ago. And we still have 27, 28,000 there at home, and people might laugh at that because they might have empty seats, but it's still probably the biggest in the championship. It could fill countless grounds in the championship, but it is an apathetic, poisonous fan base. Like there's no doubting that, and I think a team like Preston coming up to the stadium, like keeping hold of the ball for the first twenty minutes, or just having a go at us and making us look as toothless as we are. Yeah, I think you know it's probably an ideal game for Preston. But you did mention to me before about Preston occasionally, you know, messing it up, so to speak. And I was at Deepdale earlier in the season, and I must be honest, I expected you know Preston to batter us. I really did expect it. I thought Hugo was really impressive. But looking back to the game, it was a 10-minute spell where, you know, Hugo scored an absolute cracker. I think Josh Harrop got the first one. But we were actually the, uh, probably the better team at Deepdale. Why is it Preston sometimes do that? Is it just a case of a lot of young boys and consistencies or inconsistency is to be expected? Yeah, I think it might be a little bit of it. I think that's been the main question that Preston have had for the majority of the season, trying to work out why one week they can, you know, play fantastically well against the likes of Wolves and Villa, as I mentioned, and then other weeks they can struggle against Burton and labour to a, a 1-0 win. But it, it'll be an interesting game on Saturday, particularly. I don't know if McGeady will play or if he'll start, but um, he certainly didn't make too many friends on his return to Deepdale, did he, that day when he scored and with his reaction and his um, celebrations. But that'll uh, that'll that'll uh, get the Preston fans going. who always travel in good numbers as well, so there'll be a decent atmosphere from from the away end. Um, at the Stadium of Light, but yeah, that consistency is is probably what Alex Neil will be looking for between now and the end of the season, and um, 
And who knows what division Preston will be in next season, but no doubt it'll be a key part of, of things going forward as well. You mentioned the McGeady thing. I actually completely forgot about that, the whole McGeady reaction thing. And it, and it was very weird because I, I went down to Preston and I went to, to, to I think it was essentially Weatherspoons, and I went over the road to this sort of sandwich shop. Now, I've, I've been talking for the best part of half an hour, so the age-old joke of telling everyone you're vegan within a minute, but I am, I'm, I'm actually vegan, and I managed to find this vegan health food shop in Preston, which didn't expect. And I went over the road, and it was it was funny. All your injured players, like Cunningham, I think it was Clark, were, were sort of all in the all in the shop. It was it was a really family orientated sort of. It, it was weird, like having seen players that are playing you know high level championship football in just a shop near the stadium and across the road from all the fans in Weatherspoons. But I remember chatting to the owner and where the players were in there. And he says, "Oh, you know about McGee. He had a bit of a chat." And he says, "You know." Aiden used to come in here, so on and so forth. I'm expecting him to, you know, be really up for it today. And I says, oh, no, he, he, he did well for you and so on and so forth. I expect you'll get a good reception. And he said, well, no, no not, not really. He probably won't. And I remember being really taken aback by the McGeady reaction. I obviously know that his reaction after he scored the goal, that he's probably going to get short shrift nowadays from uh, any Preston fans. But was there something that, Sunderland fans missed with that because from from our perspective it was just a I think reading between the lines Preston couldn't quite maybe afford the wages because I, I was told Preston didn't couldn't afford him so he didn't have the option but but I'm sure there's more to it that maybe you know that I, I don't what what was the reaction all about no you're right I think it's I think it did come down to wages and um uh and, and that was purely the purely the heart of it um I think the frustration from the Preston fans' point of view came from everything he was saying while he was at the club sounded like he wanted to stay and that he was going to be a part of Preston going forward. So I think it was almost an assumption that it was going to be a done deal and that he'd take a hit on his wages to be able to play somewhere where he was sort of loved and and, and doing well. Obviously, that didn't happen. And, and as soon as Simon Grayson left, I think it was always on the wall that he would follow him and go up to Sunderland. So yeah, I think that I think money plays a big part of things in football, doesn't it? So uh, I think that's probably a large part of it. Was it a bit harsh on him the treatment he got from some of the Preston fans? Probably, but he had his own back, didn't he? With his with his uh, with his celebration afterwards and the goal, of course. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the the reaction was because it was it was right in front of us basically when he when he celebrated and he, he did his whole Adebayo thing and run about a hundred miles <laughs> back yeah, yeah, towards yeah. the Preston fans, and it, it was nice to see. It was nice to see he cared enough about. You know, wanting to prove people wrong, nothing wrong with a bit of passion. But yeah, I was I was generally quite taken aback by the reaction of it because, you know, not dropping any names here, but as far as I'm aware, it was just a case of money. Someone could offer slightly more per week. Hence why I think it took a little while to sort of come over the line. I think the biggest thing that surprised me was that there wasn't more expressing players that came in with Grayson because I think there was... I, I did an article right when he came in about players we could potentially not cherry pick, but players that he would maybe look to bring in. And I was thinking players like, you know, Greg Cunningham, so on and so forth. Um, the boy from Morecambe as well. I won't try and pronounce his name. You've said it four or five times. I'm not going to try because <laughs> um, I'm not going to miss it. Is it is a bar 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 I say Barkhazen. I think that's yeah. Barkhazen. That well, that sounds easy to me. I can say that. So Barkhazen was another one I thought we might have looked at. And of course, one thing, one player we were really heavily linked to was was Hugo. And I think had we stumped up four or five million at that time, we could have quite possibly stood a chance of getting them. Now our whole season may look a little bit different. Of course, he went on to have a very good season and was picked up by David Moyes, um, our friend David Moyes down at West Ham. So. 
I suppose, you know, I've spoken a lot about how poor we are. And, and Crabbers tells me you've watched something once or twice this season. So maybe you've got more knowledge than than our standard uh, sort of uh, guest that we have. But is there anything about Sunderland that worry you on Saturday? I think with Sunderland, it's a case of how well they play on the day. Like I say, you look at the team and again, I have no idea who will start on Saturday, but again, it, a team to me that's got um, Aidan McGeady, uh, Lang Coney, John O'Shea, Billy Jones, who who is well-liked at the club. A team with those sorts of players in, to me, should be doing well. So I don't know whether, if they've been having a lot of off days this season, but overall, I don't think Preston will be too worried. They'll be they'll be very, very confident and they'll know, they'll know that they have to win, really, to keep their, uh, their playoff dream alive, particularly after losing last week. It's funny you mentioned Billy Jones. I forgot that he played for Preston. Billy Jones, I'll hold my hands up and say, he's my least favourite player that's ever played for Sunderland. I absolutely <laughs> hate him. I, I, and I, I've done what about his goal against him. Newcastle? No, that doesn't even that doesn't even shadow his shitness. I just still hate him. It seems like <laughs> every time he plays, there's just a goal that he's to blame for. I mean, I remember he came in, and I remember the I, I remember the first tweet that I read when we got him on a free transfer and it was from Stephen Elliott, someone that um, I interviewed, a really good lad, really good bloke and also ex-Preston, I believe as well, yeah, Stephen yeah, Elliott. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, Sunderland signing Billy Jones, good signing. He's not going to ever let anyone down. And as much as I like Stephen Elliott, he told a big massive lie there because he's the one that lets us down every bloody week. Billy Jones is, and, and Billy Jones has been shoehorned into centre-half recently because of our... Um, our injury crisis that we have at the backs and, and obviously we play like that five or three centre off sort of formation that Coleman seems to be absolutely besotted with and he's kind of shoehorned Billy Jones on the right hand side of that and I mean I'd love to articulate this better but he's shit he's, he's, he's completely finished he's, he's rubbish and you know he has got the, that kind of sullen face that and you mentioned Catamore, and he's another one that's been horrific this season. And I've I've loved Lee Catamore for a long time, but he's absolutely drove me crackers this season. Same with John O'Shea. And I think there's a big nucleus of players there that you've mentioned that are actually probably, I don't want to chuck blame on players, but they're players that have been with us for almost five, six seasons of struggle. And um, if there's if there's one positive about going down to League One, I think we'll be cleansing of those players. But we said that last season. We said we'd cleanse all the other players and, and you know, we're still in the same sort of hole that we're in. Me personally, I'd prefer to see a few more of the young boys come in, you know, players who, who want to play for Sunderland. But I think it's been it's been highlighted in, in certain aspects how badly some of the Academy players are trapped and some of the boys like Beadlin, Ledger, um, Andy Nelson, you know, may, maybe not good enough for the championship, but I certainly think they're deserving of a chance in in uh, League One, if if we go down, because they're, they're doing quite well at the sort of Scottish Championship clubs. Obviously, Ledger's gone permanently, but I think that's the avenue we're going down. And I think, but but you, you're totally right in what you're saying at the same time. If I was coming from an outside perspective and seeing names like Billy Jones, Lee Catmull, John O'Shea, seasoned Premiership footballers, you would still be a little bit worried. But honestly, I think that's you know from an inside perspective, it's it's it seems to be hugely just, just part of the problem. Th- it took Preston four or five years before they were even in a position to be able to challenge to get back to the championship just because of the nature of, of, of League One. Uh, and there was a, a feeling about, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of cleanse the club, get rid of a load of dead wood, um, bring in young players. And it's a tough old place and you've got some wily old pros in there who um, know what it's like week in, week out on a cold Tuesday night in Accrington, for example, <laughs> which, which may well be the case for your next season if the, if 
they go up and you go down. So it's a, it's a tough old place. They'll have their day. They'll have their opportunity in League One. But you also need those sorts of players who know where to stick the boot in and throw an elbow, you know, keep keep you in a game. So it's uh, I wouldn't take anything for granted about being able to sort of throw a team together fairly quickly and, and be able to, to sort of challenge for promotion. Just got to have some kind of hope. Um, trust me, it's not said with any <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry. I think, no, no, there's a lot of fans that would agree with you on that. A lot of Sunderland fans that say, you know, we said this about the championship, we'll plummet down again. I think it's just my little semblance of hope that we have. So I suppose before I let you go, one thing I always like to sort of ask, prediction for Saturday. I, I think I know what it's going to be. It's going to be similar to mine. But, you know, for for the sake of asking the question like I always do, how do you fancy the uh, result going on Saturday if you had to pick a, a scoreline? It's got to be in a way win. Um, I would say probably by two or three goals to Preston. If something got up front these days, I'm not totally sure. Is there anyone likely to score a goal? <laughs> uh, well, no, because it's Ashley Fletcher. You've got more chance of hitting right. that said than actually hitting any semblance of a shot on target. So, yeah, very unlikely. <laughs> right, so pro- probably two or three nil then. <laughs> I think I'd agree with you. Now, I think you'll take it easy on us. I think you'll do what a few teams have done to us, like Brentford and Ipswich, go 2 nil up before half-time after frustrating us for the first 20 minutes and then just take it easy in the second half. But if you want to have a go at us, yeah, you could quite easily make it three. I'm going to go 2 nil though. I'm going to say you're going to take it easy on us. But yeah, I, I don't see anything but a defeat, unfortunately. But I hope they prove me wrong. But, you know, it's the hope, as we always say up here, that... This is the thing we can't stand <laughs> because it, it just lingers on, even though it's it, it feels like an absolute dead football club at the moment. But thanks very much for coming on, chap. It's been good chatting to you, actually. Depressing as it has been because you can see how bad we are. But Crabbers, Crabbers did recommend you, and I, I'm pleased to see you. You've lived up to expectations. Good. No problem. That's fine. <laughs> well, have a good rest of the week, apart from Saturday. I always try to say that. I hope you have a horrible Saturday. Are you coming up <laughs> for the match on Saturday? Or? Yes. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. Commentating on it as well commentating on a call we'll, we'll be nice to us be as nice as you can but um, enjoy your, enjoy your trek up and don't feel um, frightened to message someone for a pint because I'll get you one back later on nice one good man catch you later Jonathan thanks mate so that's the end of the Preston edition as always we remain a little bit depressed but I'm trying to be a bit more positive come on um, I almost went for a draw there but you know I don't like to be seen as a liar it's just getting worse isn't it the Jason Steele goal on Saturday was just absolutely diabolical I think for the best part of you know 40 odd minutes I don't know if just because I was drunk but I just couldn't quite believe what he did it kind of the goal going in for QBR didn't faze me because that was to be expected but what Jason Steele did I mean fuck me it's, it's the boy even a professional footballer but you know I could do an extra half an hour here going through each player and asking the same blooming question but you know we've been in sticky situations perhaps not in this division but we've been in situations where we've looked dead and buried before the, the Poyet season Chelsea away Man City away Man United away and we came out with that. So, you know, you never know with Sunderland. It's 11 men against 11 men at the end of the day. It's, you never know what results are going to pop up and a couple of wins. And, you know, we're going to games against Burton and Sheffield Wed at home and it, it could turn around. I don't think so. I don't think anyone thinks that. But um, until it's mathematically impossible, I'm going to remain as hopeful as I can. But um, thanks very much for joining in. Get behind the lads on Saturday. Give, give it what you can. Keep that sense of humour that we all have. And, and keep sort of pushing what whatever vitriol you have uh, towards towards Ellis Short, but keep your support towards the team. Thanks very much. Catch you later.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 